Hello and welcome to The Mock Review with Ben and Drew. I'm Ben Garmo. And I'm Drew Evans. Well, Drew, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It is <laughs> regionals month. Uh, after months and months of a pretty wild season uh, and a very interesting case, we have made it to our first regionals breakdown episode. Uh, I don't know about you, but I look forward to these episodes every year and getting to look all over the country for interesting storylines. And I'm just really excited to be here at regionals. Uh, some of the energy in my voice might be coming from the fact that our regional is past and I don't have to worry <laughs> about it anymore, but I'm just really happy to be doing this. So Drew, uh, how have things been going for you? Hey man, I totally hear you. I'm happy for you guys. We'll obviously get to it, but it's great to be, be through and be done with that stage. I'm still helping a couple teams prep and, and doing a host of other things for mock trial. So I am far from through with this stage but i'm glad that you at least are ben yeah no that's true and i'm sure law school isn't you know occupying any of your time at all no no i mean what is law school who cares right (laughs) not like i'm doing job applications every day for 10 plus hours a day yeah just second semester one else just sort of a cakewalk you can just you know take naps and take it easy and record podcast episodes and all that stuff on on a quick funny side note of that i have had um a couple i'm not going to pretend that i've had a lot but i've had a couple of interviews and a couple of those interviews have said like oh you know i see you do this podcast thing uh you know how do you have time for that with law school and i'm like hmm do i i don't know <laughs> fair, fair question so you the know age make, old it question. make it at work trying to well, along the lines of time, I think we've both, we found a little bit of a time window that works for both of us. So let's get into it. You want to kick us off with 1A? Absolutely. Let's get it started. All right. So in regional 1A, we have a team that probably very few people have heard of. UMBCA are defending national champions with eight wins and a CS of 15 and a half. Uh, from our second bid was Dartmouth A with seven wins and a CS of 19. In third, we have Penn B with six and a half wins and a CS of 16 and a half. In fourth, we had Dillard A with six wins and a CS of 16 and a half. Then UC Irvine B with six wins and a CS of 16. And finally, we had UCLA B with six wins and a 15 and a half CS. Wow, look at those last three, just one whole CS point separating all three of them. Pretty tight. Yeah. Uh, we also did have two honorable mention teams. We had Loyola Marymount A with five and a half wins and a CS of 17. And we had UC Santa Cruz B with five wins and a CS of 17. Um, okay, so first of all, obviously, Ben, you know, this was your regional. You were here. Uh, you guys did pretty well, I guess you could say. Um, but uh, we also had uh, a number of other teams that did exceptionally well here, um, you know, I think it's cool to see some of the you know, B teams like Penn, UC Irvine, UCLA. Um, both those UC schools obviously are pretty good. And Penn has been pretty routinely getting two teams through to Orcs the last few years. So not a surprise there. And then Dartmouth A. I mean, I feel like we haven't seen Dartmouth A uh, make it to Orcs in a little while. And as we'll find out later, their B team did too. So clearly they're changing something up over there and it's working. And lastly, we had Dillard A make it. And, and Ben, I'll throw it over to you. Um, but really excited about Dillard A making it. Yeah, absolutely. That was a really exciting thing to see. I'll, I'll jump back into that in just a second. One note on Dartmouth. Last year was the first year they made orcs yes, in several true. years. And then they pulled, they actually pulled seven and a half ballots at orcs last year. So not a surprise to see them continue to do well, but interesting to, to note that they're 
sustaining their success. Um, as it pertains to Dillard, we did not have an opportunity to play Dillard, uh, but we did get a chance to see them get their bid as they were obviously at our regional. Uh, Dillard is an HBCU. They're a historically black university. They haven't had an Orcs bid since 2018. We were particularly interested in hearing more about their story. So we actually reached out to Dillard and we got in touch with their president and had a chance to chat with her. We had a really, really great conversation. So we're going to pause this for just one second and let's take a moment. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to listen to our conversation with the president of Dillard Mock Trial. We're joined today by Amaya Ronzik. Amaya is the president of Dillard Mock Trial, and she's been a member of the team at Dillard for four years. Amaya actually earned all region attorney awards on both sides of the case this past weekend at regionals, and we are thrilled to have her on the show to discuss Dillard's bid to orcs with both Drew and I. So Amaya, thank you so much for taking some time to join the show. No problem. It's really great to have you on, and we want to start out by asking basically the same question that we ask all of our guests, which is your origin story. So can you tell us you know, how Mock Trial started for you and, and how you really got involved in this activity? Yeah, so I started doing Mock Trial when I was 16. Being a lawyer is something that I thought about doing, but at the time, I wasn't really good at public speaking. I was the per- person that was nervous or might start crying if I had to read a short story in class. Um, and I moved to Texas and all of the, cl- the engineering classes that I wanted to take were full. And I just joined criminal justice. And I told my teacher that I thought about being an attorney and he immediately, um, put me on the mock trial team. And I couldn't even, um, I didn't even have a ride to get home or get to the practices, but he made sure that somebody was dropping me off or bringing me there. And from then I was a witness until my senior year of high school and he put me as an attorney. And then I came to Dillard, Mrs. Kimbrough, and I met and she was my teacher and she encouraged me to try out. So I did. And I've been doing this, I guess, for six years now. That's really interesting. And, and as you were talking about your experience with mock trial, you mentioned both your high school teacher, high school advisor, and now your college advisor. So what what role do you feel like, you know, that's something that's a role that, that I serve in as a coach, and it's such an interesting thing to hear about. So how do you feel like those two individuals helped you along the way as you developed into the attorney and the advocate that you are now? Yeah, both Mrs. Kimbrough and Mr. West, who was my high school teacher, really saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. Um, I was great at so many other things except public speaking. So when I was in this space, I felt very insecure. Even starting off doing college mock trial, I would have these anxiety attacks right before a round and Mrs. Kimbrough would pull me to the side and say, you know, you know the case, you know it more than anybody, you have nothing to be worried about. And just that continuous reassurance helped me grow into the leader that I am today. And right now I, I coach a high school mock trial team. So now I get to play that role for other students. So I'm, I'm really grateful for them. Wow. Uh, Amaya, I mean, I think that you have one of the more just important and and such an impactful origin story. And so just first of all, thank you for sharing it. And thanks for coming on and being here with us. I wanted to ask you a little bit more about um, Dillard Mock Trial specifically and what both it has meant to you and just generally how the program is structured. Um, So can you just tell us a little bit about what Dillard Mock Trial is like? Let our viewers know uh, what this program is all about. Yeah, so um, I've been on the team for four years. I believe it was in existence for three or four years before I got there, and they might have started competing maybe two years before I got there. 
2018, the year before I came to Dillard, was their first time going to opening round championships. And I never got to experience it. This upcoming March will be my first time. So my entire four years, I've been working towards this goal. Um, right now we have maybe four coaches, Mrs. Adria Kimbrough. We have Judge Kern Reese, Miss Elisa Fison, um, and we have James Hofkin, who's an attorney here in New Orleans. Um, we've also had um, some other coaches, Roman Griffin, um, Peyton Fine, had some people just come and help us out. So we're a, we're a network that regardless of whether or not the coaches change, they are continuously supporting us from wherever they are. Um, it's, it's really a close-knit family type of team. Well, and as you just said, you've been working towards it. And finally, just this last weekend, you made it to Orcs. Um, first of all, a huge and really awesome, exciting accomplishment. So uh, let me start at the end and then we'll kind of work backwards. But what was the feeling when you guys found out you had gotten a bid to Orcs, um, obviously being a senior and a leader on the team? What was that like for you? So right now, I guess everybody kind of um, saw the video that was posted online of us. Our first team with six wins. With a CS of 16 and a half, a PD of plus 39, team 1216. I had faith that we, we could do it. I think there were so many obstacles we were hitting that weekend that I was like, there's just no way we're hitting all of this for no reason. This must be, you know, God's plan or something. I, I just knew it was going to happen. But that waiting period was just intense because they were calling team numbers similar to ours, maybe one number off. And we were just like, oh, my gosh, I, I could feel people like next to me. I didn't think that they thought we were going to get it, but I knew. And I don't I can't even describe what the feeling was like. I was just overcome with gratefulness and joy. Um, we were crying for hours. I don't think I stopped crying until the next day. And even then, I, I still was on cloud nine. You know, I, I think that's just so amazing. I think that there's so many programs out there that that don't really realize how important and exciting it is to make it to Orcs. It is a serious accomplishment and one that you guys should be so proud of. And I'm, I'm so excited for you guys. So I, quick, short question, and I'll bridge to another one. But do you guys go ballot blind at Dillard? So I'm, I'm glad you asked, asked that. We, um, I think the first year that they went to Orcs, they did go ballot blind, but because they were new to the ANTA system, they didn't know that they could look at the ballots. But when, when they found that out, you know, there. my, yeah, my whole time here, we've always looked at the ballots so that we can at least reflect on the comments and see what we can change. But I was telling Mrs. Kimbrough, I don't think that like selfishly, that's really not the reason why we're looking at the ballots. We want to see how we did. We want to see if we won or if we got top attorney or top witness spot. And so we made a decision this season to go blind. I think some competitions we didn't, but for regionals, this was like the first time every single person went blind for the most part. So yeah, we, we did. You know, it's so funny. Uh, I just had such a, uh, a, flashback to my first year <laughs> competing. Um, you may not know this, but I, I was part of the, the kind of first couple of years of my program at Haverford. And we similarly had no idea that there were these ballot things that you could look at after each round. <laughs> like, oh, you, go, you go to your next round and you keep going and someone tells you where to go and who you're going against and you just wing it. 
And I would, I would sit for hours and just pour over like, okay, how do I think we're doing? How good do I think this team is? Like, that was awful, but I, I totally relate to that. And I have come to the similar conclusion of ballot blind is probably for the best. Um, but with you being blind, um, I think that makes that kind of the tension of the weekend all the, all the more interesting because you don't know, have you won? How are you doing? How are you ranking? So I guess, can you take us through like maybe just after that first day, um, you know, you've just played faced Ball State as well as Duquesne. How did you feel about those rounds? Did you feel like you guys had won? Did you feel like you and, as an individual had been doing well? Was there uncertainty? Like, how, what's the feeling? I mean, you kind of said that you'd felt good about the weekend, but can you tell us any more about that? Yeah, I think after being in this for six years, I kind of have a good sense of when we lose or mm. split around. Even, you know, I competed last semester in Houston. I knew exactly what ballots we were going to lose. We didn't look at the ballots, but I knew we were going to lose them. I knew that I was going to get an attorney award just based off performance. Sometimes when I feel insecure about a round, I might over-exaggerate how bad I did. So, for example, after the first day, I knew we'd, we won the first two ballots. But the second round, we either split or lost. And it turned out that we split it. But I think something that Mrs. Kimbrough always tells us is to be the thermostat and not the thermometer. The thermostat sets the temperature, but the thermometer responds to the temperature in the room. And we have a tendency when we see that a team is just as good as us, we get a little bit scared. And when they're turning up the heat, we're responding to them instead of taking control. And I think that's what happened in round two and three. So we came in the next day ready to compete. But whenever we faced teams like that, it was this uncertainty like, dang, are we really going to make it out this time? Especially for the seniors. I think we had four seniors on the team. It made us even more nervous because this was our last shot. I got to say, I love that. I'm, I'm going to be yeah. stealing that for my team. <laughs> I think that's a great yeah, line. Same here. Um, but uh, so uh, first of all, again, I, I think that that's, that's so cool. And I, I also wanted to note the fact that you're so confident and able to predict it. Um, I will <laughs> safely say that I do not feel the same way. I am always like totally wrong about results. I'll think, oh, we just killed that <laughs> team. And then we get swept or I'll be like, oh, my God, that went horribly. And then turns out we won. Um, so good on you for being able to tell. Um, I think that is a, a very impressive skill. Um, okay, so you just mentioned that you are among four other seniors on the team. So just as lo- like one final question about this weekend, what was it like for you guys finishing that round four against Cincinnati? You know, strong program. This is maybe your last time competing together. Turned out it wasn't. But what was that like for you guys? I can't speak for everybody else because I think going in after round three, we were we, we were feeling pretty defeated. And I remember we came back for the comments and I just broke down and started crying because I just felt like one, I, I didn't know. I wasn't too sure about the judge that we had. And then the other team was pretty good. I just felt very insecure about the round. And of course, I had to pull myself and my team together. We ended up like doing some chants, praying. Um, I think. For us, though, it was like, this is all or nothing. We're about to lay it all out on the table. We're going to pull out all the stops. I think I tried objections that I probably didn't before. I changed the structure of my entire closing and made a new demo right before the round. We had a witness who started crying on the stand, and that wasn't even a part of his character. Like We we were just <laughs> pulling out all the stops for this round because it was a, a really an all or nothing moment. Like This was our final chance to do this for our team and show up for our team if this was going to be the last time. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's, it's so funny. So 2015 was the first year that, that UMBC got an orcs bid and it was, we were in actually exact same record, exact same scenario. We had to win both in round four. And I remember that I was coaching and I remember that feeling 
so clearly of talking to the team before the round and being like, this is it, you know, mm-hmm. like season goes on or it doesn't, this one decides it. And, and that's such a, you know, I feel like it's such a feeling that is unique. Obviously that happens on like sports and, and everything like that, but it's really a unique feeling and, and something that it sounds like you all really took to heart and focused on in that round. So Amaya, let me just switch gears for one second. So we talked about this past weekend and, and everything that you all accomplished this past weekend, but I want to talk a little bit more about Dillard specifically. Dillard is a historically black university, and yes. I was hoping to get your perspective on that. We we don't have a ton of HBCUs that are very active in, in college mock trial in AMTA. So as an HBCU, as as a historically black university, and as a student at an HBCU, uh, how does that connect to how you're feeling about being a competitor at Dillard and having the success that you had to be able to represent Dillard on a national stage? It just makes me completely grateful. Just starting from freshman year, I think even in, in high school mock trial, it was more diverse than it is today. In freshman year, um, I pretty much recognized what it was going to be like for the next four years. We would come to a competition and possibly be the only HBCU. And so you have, you know, your two white judges walking in and they see the room pretty much divided. You have this white team, maybe one or two black people on their team, and then a a half of a room full of black people with their black families. Just, it's, it's very intense. And even after, as you're receiving comments, as a black team, you know, we don't get to always leave the round in the room. We have to dissect certain comments that might be seen as microaggressions from coaches. And I've even spent time on the um, student advisory board for AMTA where I tried to get more HBCUs in the space because I think aside from us, Howard and Mississippi Valley State, I'm not sure that I know too many other HBCU teams. There are some like Spelman, but I think, you know, they're on and off or they haven't been consistent. So I've been trying to get more people to, to register for these competitions. And, um, I haven't seen too many, too much progress yet, but I'm very grateful now that we've had this moment to really uplift HBCUs and hopefully get more to want to participate in this. Um, on a, on a last note, I, I think I'll talk to some other people from other um, schools, predominantly white schools, and they'll talk about how they went to nationals or how they went to orcs. And it, it just seems like something so nonchalant. Like they're like, Oh yeah, well we went to orcs this time. And I'm just sitting here. Like I've never had that experience. I don't know what that's like. You know, they might receive funding. We, all of our funding is through donations or people who just believe in our story. And so just the fact that we're going to be able to finally, you know, make something of it and show people and other HBCUs that this is a possibility. I'm just incredibly grateful to God. And, and I'm, Really grateful to you, Amaya, for sharing that perspective. And and one more question on that topic. And of course, you know, we should acknowledge that this is a subject that we could do entire series of episodes on. And so this is just sort of scratching the surface on this topic. Mm-hmm. But you referenced it in your answer that there are a few HBCUs but that participate in AMTA, but there aren't a lot. And oftentimes you go to tournaments and, and there's not a tremendous amount of diversity, both in the other teams and in the judges and just the mm-hmm. people that you interact with. So do you have any thoughts on what we as a community, so both just the general, you know, all of the teams in AMTA, but also AMTA as a whole could be doing both to encourage more diversity, but also to specifically encourage HBCUs and support HBCUs in funding and building mock trial programs for the future? Yes. Yeah, so this is something that I'm hopeful will 
you know, they have a plan going forward because I have presented this idea to AMTA. But I think that AMTA in general needs to meet HBCUs more than halfway. We can't expect HBCUs who probably don't have funding for half of the pre-law events that they want to do, let alone a mock trial team. They probably don't know where to start. And so to expect them to come to AMTA and be like, we want to join mock trial. How do we do this? It's probably not going to happen. So I think they have to do the work and reach out to every single one of these HBCUs and, you know, see whether or not they've been competing, if they're inconsistent, why are they inconsistent? Um, there's been recommendations from other students on the board who have said there needs to be a scholarship in place. There needs to be um, donations for suits if, if mock trial students can't get them. Um, there needs to be more diverse judges in the area, especially with Zoom now. There shouldn't be restrictions because, you know, it's not restricted to a certain area. You can ask somebody from another region to come come in coach or judge a competition. Um, so really, I think with this era of technology and this and being on Zoom, there there's less room for excuses. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. I think they just have to do be willing to do the work and, and meet us more than halfway. You know, Amaya, I, I couldn't agree more. And I'm, I'm so glad that you are are talking about this, that you are working towards it. And I'm glad that we uh, are able to to talk to you about it right now. Um, one thing that you did mention a second ago, and I, I wanted to just get one last in about this, um, the, the importance of going to orcs for you guys. I mean, you talked about how exciting that was, how that's something you've never gotten to do before. Tell us a little bit, what, what's the preparation looking like for you guys? What are you guys doing? What, what, what's the, uh, the game plan? You know, you've got a few weeks now. What, what are you guys going to be doing to get ready for Orcs? So we um, met a few days ago to talk about this. We usually meet on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We have the rest of the week off for right now. But up until we get those case changes, I think we're just going to be honing in on the skills that we've been building. And then once we get that, we're probably going to be in the mock trial room every single day. Something that we did for the first time um, in preparation for regionals was have like this lock in right before the weekend before regionals. So we stayed in there from, I think, five to midnight, all of the students. And this wasn't something that the coaches required of us or anything. We just came and did it. We ordered pizza and just really like drilled in every single skill that we knew was going to come up. So I think we'll probably do something similar or at least just make sure that we're consistent because we're all go-getters on campus. We all have our hands in so many different places. And to make mock trial a priority is easier said than done. So I think the discipline is going to look a lot different, probably, you know, more than we've ever um, we've ever had to give in previous seasons. Well, I think that sounds like the right way to do it. I love from a coach's perspective, you know, I love the notion of the whole team just saying we're getting together and we're going to work on this stuff. And I'm really excited. I don't know this for sure, but, you know, we qualified out of the same regional. So I think there's a chance we may be headed to the same orcs. So, mm -hmm. you know, hopefully whether it's on Zoom or in person, we'll see all there. And most importantly, congratulations to you and your entire team on this success, this incredible accomplishment. And Amaya, thank you so much for taking a couple minutes to uh, chat with us. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Amaya. Drew, I got to say, uh, I really love that conversation with Amaya. I thought that she had so much great perspective. Uh, I loved getting to watch the video and y'all getting to listen to, to that video of them being so excited to get their bid. 
And what I got to say is, I've said this on the podcast before, but seeing teams, you know, it's not their first bid in program history, but for any of them in the program, it's their first bid. Seeing teams get those first bids is just such a cool thing. And I, I just feel like it's such a neat opportunity to get to look at a team who's clearly on the rise and is, is doing a lot of really great things. And I had a really great time chatting with Amaya. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that one of the biggest things that we kind of miss in having all these virtual regionals is seeing those teams celebrating and being so happy and excited mm-hmm. when they find out their bids. I mean, I, I, I still remember, you know, when teams would get their first ever regional bid or their first in a little while, it is tears of joy jumping up and down all the things that, you know, you, you heard Dillard do. I mean, that, that's what yeah. it is. And it's fun to get to see that. It's fun to experience that with them. And I think it's sometimes lost on a lot of the more established programs that have been routinely making it to orcs and nationals. Getting out of regionals feels like almost a expectation a lot of the time, and it shouldn't be. It is a huge accomplishment. You are one of the best teams in a competitive activity that people put a lot of time into, and that's really exciting. And I, I'm, I think that it's good to kind of bring us back to earth sometimes and remember just how exciting that should be. Yeah, it, you know, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but in 2015 when UMBC got our first bid, I was I was graduated and and coaching as a 2L, but my brother Zach who competed for UMBC for 5 years was on that team and they were competing at the law school uh where at Maryland Law where I was a student, so I was around and I wasn't able to watch their round 4, but they were 4 and 2 and we knew, all right, we probably need both these ballots to get through and Zach God bless him. He's one of my best friends. Wasn't always the most positive person about like how our mock trial team was doing. He tended to be pretty tough on us. And I remember so clearly after the round, it's like, how to go? And he looked at me and he involuntarily broke into a smile. And he's like, I think we got him. And we did. And we won those ballots and we got our first regionals or our first orcs bid. And I mean, I'll remember that bid forever. That, that thing, you know, that was just such an amazing experience. So we've got a lot of other things to talk about. So Drew, do you want to sort of keep going and and give a few more thoughts on this regional? Sure. I'll just very briefly add that there were a couple of surprises here. Um, Cincinnati A didn't make it out. Um, definitely a bit of a surprise there. It's a strong program seeing their A team, uh, not make it through. Definitely a bit of a surprise. Um, also Duquesne A, um, has been pretty successful recently. They didn't make it out either. They had some tough splits, um, definitely a, a tough four and four for them, splitting with both Dillard and SUNY Binghamton, and then dropping two to Penn B. The, those are, you know, uh, you know, a couple of strong teams and teams that made it through. So it's not an easy schedule for them. Um, but I will say that the the CSs we didn't see any alarmingly high. The highest we got was just Bowden at twenty one, which obviously you know that's tough for them. Twenty one is definitely a high CS, but you know we've as we've discussed in the on the pod a few times. Uh, there have been some ridiculous CSs, and I don't think we had any of those here. So not any terrible shocks. Uh, I'd say Cincinnati is definitely the biggest one. But other than that, I mean, Ben, you were there. Were anything else that you kind of stuck out to you, or shall we move on? So I'll say this real quick before we move on, which is, so round one, we played Cincinnati. We we got drawn against Cincinnati. We won two very close ballots. I think it was like two and three or something mm-hmm. like that. It was it was. Um, I'm just sort of checking. Yeah, two and three. Uh, they're very good. Uh, I think they just had basically they drew us and Dillard, who who ended up you know obviously having a lot of success in getting through and losing those ballots and those rounds, and and that was it. That Cincinnati team is an orcs caliber team. I thought they, you know, I'll say deserve to get through in the sense that I think they were just as good as many teams that that will play at orcs. Uh, and so I hope that their program, if I recall correctly, I think we'll mention later that another one of their teams got a bid, so their their season's not over. But I, 
I was a bit surprised to see that, but was not surprised at all at the quality of teams here. Uh, and I guess that's sort of my last thought, which is, you know, we, we did play Cincinnati and, and we played the Loyola Marymount team that got five and a half wins. I was not upset that we avoided Irvine B and UCLA B. <laughs> uh, you know, those are great teams. I would have loved to have the experience of playing them. But also, I was perfectly fine that we didn't have the experience <laughs> to play them. And we can save that for another day. Uh, I think that's everything that I've got. Anything else on your end before we go to 1B? No, I think go ahead and let's hop on over to 1B. All right, sounds good. So moving over to Regional 1B, I don't think this year... Remember last year for the virtual regionals, they had like fun places yeah, they were they, hosted? Nah. Yeah, they've given it. It just says in Zoom, which is the least fun place. Well, I think it's because that's they did the original hosts of what it was going to be, and then they were just like, it's this team that was doing it, and now it's on Zoom, so... Yeah. Lame. Well, some of them were like like hosted in Calkins Campground, and I was like, well, that's right, the site right, of a right. child murder, so how much fun <laughs> is that, really? Uh, but moving us forward, Regional 1B. Uh, in order, we've got UC Santa Barbara, 8 wins and a 13 and a half CS. We've got Boston University B, 7 wins, 15 CS. Yale A, 7 wins and an 11 CS. Mizzou A, 6 and a half wins and an 11 and a half CS. Michigan C, 6 wins and an 18 CS. And then Alabama B, six wins and a 14 CS. We had a whole bunch of honorable mentions here. We had Columbia A, five and a half wins, 18 and a half CS. Rochester B, five and a half wins, nine and a half CS. Nebraska A, five wins and a 16 and a half CS. And IUPUI A with five wins and a 15 CS. Couple of early thoughts here, Drew. Um, I will mention first, we, we can get to the teams that got a bid in a second. Um, as someone who came up in this activity in sort of the, you know, the Rachel Summers era of Columbia, <laughs> it is certainly a surprise not to see a Columbia A team get a direct bid out of regionals. They have five and a half. They'll easily get an open bid and they may very well pick up another bid somewhere else. Um, I don't think that suggests that Columbia is bad. They had a pretty high CS. So it looks like they had a pretty good weekend, but. You know, I, I'm just sort of used to a world in which Columbia is one of the best teams in the country. Right, right. So that was that was a noticeable thing for me. Um, Yale A appeared to have a relatively normal regionals, which is certainly noteworthy. <laughs> um, and then beyond that, um, I think, you know, there's not a ton else that jumped out here. Um, UC Santa Barbara is a very good team, but I think, you know, maybe it's noteworthy to see them ahead of uh, Yale A on the list. Uh, other than that, I mean, there's just a lot of good B teams, a C team from Michigan here. Um, what'd you pick up on here, Drew? So a couple things I'll say. So first of all, again, you know, the fact that Yale made it, Yale A specifically made it through the regionals, maybe does that mean we're going to change the trend? I mean, usually the, the path has been they have to not make it out of regionals and then they'll go and make it to the finals. So who knows what's going to change this year? Um, I will say it's it's funny. They still struggle in that round one. I don't know why. Yale <laughs> round one regionals, no matter what, is just seems like a tough one for them. And and clearly kind of a discrepancy with the judges having a minus six and a plus 15. But um, I agree with you, Ben, about a lot of what you said. I think that definitely to a certain extent, this is what we were expecting from this regional with the exception of Columbia. I mean, look, Columbia, while they do not have Rachel Summers um, and then all, all those great competitors uh, you know, from back, honestly, when I was like a, a freshman and a sophomore and how great they were, they're still a strong program and them not getting a direct bid is surprising. I will admit five and a half wins, 18 and a half CS. Can't imagine that's not getting off the open bid list. So we'll see them. Oh, for sure. I will add... Rochester B um, is, you know, also had five and a half wins with a nine and a half CS. And 
it's interesting for me. I mean, I don't think that we want to wait CS too much um, because you can only play who you who you face, right? But damn, I mean, a CS under 10 is really low, honestly. And, you know, again, it's not that I don't think Rochester, I'm sure Rochester B is a solid team and I'm, I'm happy for them they get to move through. But um, definitely just something worth kind of noting. And I caught my eye of just, wow, you know, you don't often see a lot of teams making it through to the next level uh, with a CS lower than 10, unless they're kind of just sweeping and destroying everyone. But uh, definitely just something, you know, worth noting. Um, but other than that, yeah, I think this is mostly mostly what, what was expected. I think that uh, I'll actually, I will admit Alabama B, I, uh, I got the privilege of watching them. I believe it was Alabama B. It might have been a different Alabama team, but I'm pretty sure it was their B team. I watched them and Emory have a scrimmage, and it was a really fun round. They're both very solid teams, and I was not surprised at all to see them make it out. So good on them, and just shout them out as having gotten to watch them, and they were, they were a lot of fun to watch. So good for all of them. And Ben, if you don't have anything else, we can keep moving this train along quickly. The, the only other thing that I'll add, because um, we've talked about a couple of the other top teams here, that the third team that we had on the list here was Mizzou, University of Missouri A. They're actually a team that I feel like has been trending in the right direction. If you mm-hmm. look um, at the uh, the TPR list, they had five wins at Orcs last year. They're listed as having four and a half the year before. It's always hard when you look at this list knowing was that did they go to an Orcs or is that the average of the two years? I'm not 100% right, sure. Right. But either way, uh, they've definitely had uh, a lot of success recently. If I recall correctly, I think they got, yeah, their, their B team uh, got through to Orcs last year as well. Looks like they didn't win any ballots at Orcs, but they got through and I, they show ballots the year before as well. So they're a team, you know, we talk a lot about uh, regional differences. Uh, Mizzou is an interesting, you're such a big school and such an interesting area of the country for mock trial. So they're a team that I would say I have my eyes on at Orcs. Can they improve on their Orcs performance this year, Mm -hmm. uh, given that they had a pretty strong showing here? Uh, Other than that, uh, I think I briefly mentioned Michigan C. We'll get to Michigan A a little bit later. I think that's all I got, and we can move forward to 1C. Yeah, I think totally we can. I just, because you did mention uh, Missouri, I just wanted to say, I think that they're another really interesting study and something that we talk about all the time of, you know, how you do in round one does not determine your whole fate. University of Missouri faced Columbia round one and it was a loss and a tie. Then Missouri went on to win every other ballot. And as we saw with Columbia, they didn't quite make it out. So for everyone out there, if you lose your first round, it doesn't mean anything. Get back out there and win the rest. But with that, let's go ahead and move on to 1C. Uh, In 1C, we had Maryland A with eight wins and a CS of 13. We had Michigan State A with seven wins and a CS of 18 and a half. And we had Oklahoma A with seven wins and a CS of 14. Then Tufts A with seven wins and a CS of 13. Then Dartmouth B with six wins and a CS of 15 and a half. And finally, Cincinnati B with five wins and a CS of 21. We also had an honorable mention team in Cal Poly Slow B, with five wins and a CS of 15 and a half. All right, so a couple of things I just want to start out here. Um, I, I did something that I apologize, Ben. This is this was wrong of me. I said Maryland A, and I really need to be clear. I mean, Maryland College Park A. Uh, we, we are we are here in this podcast. We are always going to be clear. We are talking about UMBC or Maryland College Park. The, the title of just Maryland should be up for grabs, and I, I want to leave it that way. Um, but uh, no comment. You keep going, <laughs> just no comment. Um, well, I will say a couple other things. Um, I'll just say this was an interesting one where we had a seven-win Tufts A team, which you know, 
probably one of the odds-on favorites right now um, mm-hmm. to be in that final round. Just a really solid team coming in fourth. I mean, again, it's not that these are really ranked, but uh, surprising to see them drop a ballot, honestly. I think that they are one of the teams where I'm allowed to say, wow, I'm surprised they even dropped a single ballot. They are just that good this year. Um, it was in a tight, tight round with Wesley and C, uh, where it was a plus 16, minus one. So good on Wesley and C for squeaking that one out. And um, I'll, I'll say the Wesley and C, you know, tough for them. They end up going three and five with a CS of 21. And while we normally wouldn't say it's surprising for a C team to not make it through, Wesleyan has just been so successful for for a few years now at getting um, both their A, B, and C teams through to Orcs and, and oftentimes even Nationals. Um, they've just been that good for that long. And I will say that this is the year Wesleyan kind of has finally got all their seniors, all, you know, their old teams that were very young. They're finally seniors now. This is a very experienced team, and I was honestly expecting that their C team would have done a little bit better, so a bit surprising with that. Um, other kind of interesting ones, we talked about Cincinnati A not making it, um, but then Cincinnati B picking up the slack and the, getting that final bid out with a very high CS of 21, so definitely impressive there. Um, and then we mentioned Dartmouth A making it. Dartmouth B is also making it out. So again, that's just a successful program now that they are really building. And one other thing I really wanted to mention is MIT. I mean, I feel like it's got to <laughs> oh, be no. every year we talk about the fact that, oh, wow, MIT, they have a ridiculously high CS. And again, they've got a CS of 22. I mean, I do not know what is going on, but MIT, I'm just, I'm sorry, guys. I feel like every year y'all are getting hosed with these high CSs. So definitely heartbreaker there for them. That is a, a fun, solid program. And they just I mean, keep getting those tough schedules. Uh, I'll lastly, just because I, I am currently at Tulane um, and this was the Tulane A team that was here. I'm not associated with them at all, but hey guys, if you ever need help, if any of you are listening, you know, I'm right here, happy to help if you want it. Um, but other than that, yeah, I think this is mostly, um, to a certain extent, what we're expecting. Few surprises with like Brown B not making it or Boston University not making it. But um, Ben, I'll throw it over to you. Anything else you're noticing here? Yeah, I was just say I think that that thumping noise you hear against the wall is the friend of the pod, Brian Pilchek, just wondering, you know, who he cursed in a former life in order to right. have to keep getting these uh, high CSs. Um, I will talk briefly about our friends up the road, uh, at, uh, University of Maryland. They are a very, very good team. They had a, a lot of success last year. Um, I have actually had the chance to judge them this year. We played what I believe was their B team at Southern Showdown last weekend. Um, I am not surprised whatsoever to see, uh, them continue to have a lot of success. There's just, there's such a resource rich program and there's so much talent and history and prestige there. I think I think I have said on the podcast before in past years when maybe they were down a little bit, like just just give it a year or two. There's no yeah. way that Maryland stays down for long, and they certainly didn't. Uh, and I will be very interested to see, okay, you know where how high can they climb? Is this year going to be the year where? Because I, if I recall correctly, I think they were either an honorable mention or right about an honorable mm-hmm. mention at nationals last year. So what's their you know what's their ceiling? Where are they going to go to? Uh, I think the top four bids here are all teams with like sort of a fluctuating ceiling that I have no idea what to expect. Michigan mm-hmm. State, a very, very good team, very good program. We've talked before about how Michigan probably gets talked about a little bit more than Michigan State, mm-hmm. but I would not be surprised at all to see Michigan State, uh, you know, threatening for one of those top spots this year. I think they're a very good team. 
Uh, Oklahoma, similarly, we're going to talk about some of the, I think we're going to talk about Alabama and Texas and a few of those other programs in later regionals. But some of those huge, like Southern, I was about to say SEC schools, soon to be <laughs> SEC schools in Oklahoma, um, you know, those huge Southern schools like uh, UT Austin and Alabama and Oklahoma, you just wonder one of these years is one of those teams going to push through into like the top 10, the top 20, because they've got so much talent. Uh, and I'd just be interested to see how their style is going to play at, at Orcs. And then finally, to wrap things up, talking about Tufts, uh, I will be fascinated to see how Tufts does this year. I've gotten a chance to see them several times. We played them in the unstacked season. Um, we hit Tufts A at uh, Boston Tea Party. Uh, and then I watched Tufts A versus Emory A at Windy City a couple weeks ago. Um, two just really, really dynamic, fantastic teams. Uh, so I, I don't know quite what to expect from Tufts. I 100% agree with you that I think that, you know, they are in that group of five to 10 teams where if you said to me right now, pick the national champion, mm -hmm. they would certainly be in that conversation. Definitely. Um, the split, be it a, a sort of an odd split, but the split with Wesley and C and some of maybe their individual results suggests to me that maybe there's a little polarization there. Mm -hmm. um, I noticed, for example, All-American Alexander Thompson going 16-16, which suggests that judges really liked him, but maybe there's a ceiling there. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to speculate too much, uh, but I think that it'll be really interesting to track their progress. Uh, other than that, I think we've pretty much covered everything here, and I certainly think that all six teams uh, who got bids out of here, I'll be keeping a close eye on, but especially the top four, if they all feed to the same orcs, you know, uh, obviously not all of them are, are likely to get through to nationals. And so we'll be interested to see uh, what happens next. No, I definitely agree. I think if you want to go ahead and move on to 1D, let's go ahead and do it. All right, moving to the second half of our six regionals, that was Regional 1D. In order of uh, bids, we had Rhodes B with eight wins and a 14 CS. UC Santa Cruz A, seven wins and a 12 and a half CS. Missouri State A, six wins and a 19 CS. Illinois A, six wins and a 17 CS. Boston University A, six wins and a 14 CS. And SUNY Binghamton A, five wins and a 22 CS. Our one honorable mention here was Juniata A with five wins and an 18 CS. A couple small things I want to note. Uh, we'll talk about Rhodes in just a second, but I did want to start by highlighting Missouri State. Uh, they are an unranked team. They haven't been to Orcs in the last couple of years. I don't know if, if they've been to Orcs before, but uh, at least in recent history, they haven't had as much success. For good on them, so good on them, they actually started the weekend by drawing Illinois A and then sweeping them. Uh, their only two losses came to SUNY Binghamton, who also got out. So good on Missouri State for finding a path and, and getting through. Uh, one note that I'll make here, there's only 22 teams at this regional, but they still kept six bids. Uh, we've spent plenty of time on this podcast talking about how, you know, with eight orcs and more teams and more regionals, you know, I've been to regionals where there were nine bids, uh, and now to have a regional with 22 teams and six bids is kind of interesting to me. Uh, and then I guess I'll just mention and then throw it to you, Drew, uh, Rhodesby with just an absolutely dominating performance. You got to think, and I think, uh, pretty soon we're going to talk about Rhodes A as well. After not getting to nationals last year, Rhodes is certainly on the warpath this year and, you know, very much intends to be right back at the top of the table the way they usually are. I think that's most of what I noticed here. Uh, I'll kick it to you. What else did you pick up on? 
Well, I'll just mention UC Santa Cruz. Um, got seven wins, pretty clear bid there. Uh, very, very strong performance out of them. And they're, I, I really love the people over at UC Santa Cruz. I know a number of them, and they've just been working their tails off, and I'm so happy to see them finally get some success. I think that Santa Cruz is one of those programs that really kind of gets – you know, hidden away with all these other massive, insanely good UC schools. And it often ends up there in a regional with UCLA, Berkeley, Stanford, what have you. And it, it can be tough to to shine when you're amongst teams like that. So I'm happy for them. I think that this regional, uh, you know, geographically diverse regionals is really good for a lot of those programs like that. So I'm happy for them. And I love to see that. But yeah, I think that you covered most of it here, Ben. Um, definitely uh, a couple of, of impressive performances out of some of those top teams. Um, and you know, I, I'll say SUNY Binghamton getting five wins with the CS of 22. That is certainly very impressive. They did not have an easy path to make it. And getting it through, uh, getting it done, even when you face a tough schedule, is very impressive. Um, but other than that, I think that we've mostly covered it. Yeah, I'll say one other thing here. So uh, I I always like to look for interesting paths. Um, and so seeing uh, Boston University A get a bid is is not surprising. They're a very, very good team. I think we haven't discussed them a ton just because they, similar to Illinois, are just usually a very strong team and they get through. So BU, I just want to briefly highlight rounds one and two. They seem to be pretty, they're pretty much overmatched. They're their opponents round one was a significant blowout round two was a, a lesser blowout but still a big one and then in round three against juniata we had the elusive double tie wow um just a double tie thankfully you know uh bu got through juniata at five wins has a shot at, and an 18 cs seems to have a pretty good shot on the open bid list um but those just i i understand like ties happen but double ties are still just like wow those two teams just must have been so close. It must have been such mm. a good round that two completely different judges watched the round and both scored at a tie. Uh, so good on BU for, you know, getting through with an interesting path. And I will just briefly wrap up before you take us to 1E by mentioning Juniata, you know, friend of the show. We've had them on before. I'll be interested to see, assuming they do get an open bid to Orcs, just, just where that takes them. Because I think they're a program that has had a lot of success in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. But maybe they're hitting a little bit of a ceiling right now. And so the question is, all right, if they get to go to Orcs, when do they take that next step? When do they start contending for, you know, a possible Nationals bid? And I'll just be sort of watching them closely. Uh, other than that, I guess I'll mention these last two things briefly. We had a couple teams here. Colby College A, who's ranked 166. Villanova, who's ranked 153. Those two teams didn't get through. Just continues to go to show you just how tough and brutal even regionals can be right now. That that toughness mm -hmm. of orcs has kind of even moved its way to regionals. And nobody, no team in the country can take an orcs bid uh, for granted. I think that's all I got here. Yep, I think you mostly covered it. Uh, it sounds pretty good. So let's go ahead and move right along to Regional 1E. All right, starting out with Alabama A with eight wins and a 17 and a half CS. Then Michigan A with seven wins and a 15 CS. Then Baylor B with seven wins and a 13 CS. Then Tufts B with six wins and a 19 CS. Followed by Arkansas A with six wins and a 16 CS. And finally, UT Austin C with six wins and a 15 CS. We also had two honorable mentions in Houston Baptist A with six wins and a 13 CS, and then Clark A with five wins and a 16 CS. Um, first of all, I'll just say you don't often see six wins at an honorable mention. Um, mm -hmm. Six wins is usually enough. So Houston, I'm you know very 
glad that they are pro- are almost certainly going to make it off the open bid list. I've never seen a six win team not, uh, and that that really is kind of the bar for the most part. But uh, definitely a competitive regional when you think about that. Uh, but I will I'll say you know Alabama A look you know they did not have an easy schedule to go eight zero. They beat both Tufts B and UT Austin, both teams that went six and zero other than that round. So, I mean, that is a very impressive showing out of Alabama A. Um, like I said, I got to watch their program go, and, and they're, they're, they're solid over there. They know what they're doing, uh, and it's a, definitely a lot of fun to watch them and definitely good on them for having such a convincing victory here. But um, I, I'll say that, you know, definitely tough break uh, for a couple of these teams, um, just the, the schedules that they had. Uh, you know, Boston College A going 2-5-1, and one, um, bit surprising Boston College you know I know Ben and I've talked about this I I know way back in the day when I competed uh, I remember that they did this whole weird no no stacking and kind of each of the teams were independent so you never really know what you're going to get out of Boston College A versus B versus C versus D Uh, but I don't know if that's changed at all but definitely they're a, a solid program that usually puts teams through so their A team not making it through is a bit surprising um and then other than that, yeah, I mean, I think that definitely some impressive showings out of, you know, Baylor B getting seven wins. I don't think that Baylor, I, I, Baylor used to be really strong. I don't think they've been terribly strong recently. So getting seven wins out of a B team is great. And then obviously Michigan A uh, was probably the favorite to come out of here. A just perennially really strong program. You mentioned them before, Ben. Uh, very, very solid performance from them. Uh, pretty much exactly what we were expecting out of them. Uh Trying to think. I mean, I think that that's mostly it. Uh, ben, I'll, I'll throw it over to you, though. Yeah, just a couple quick thoughts uh, on Baylor. Their A team has definitely had, you know, they won. I'm looking at the the sheet here. They won five ballots at Orcs last year, whereas their B team has not been to Orcs in a couple of years. So good on their B team for finding that path. They actually played Dillard B in a close uh, match at one point and, and managed to, to get through. I do want to talk briefly about Michigan. I think that Michigan, you know, we have, we've spent a fair amount of time on this podcast talking about Michigan and you just wonder, okay, I feel like there's a final round in Michigan's mm-hmm. future. I, mm-hmm. I, and I don't think it's going to be the year when like, you know, I, I feel like Michigan's such an interesting team and in that I'm not sure that I can name a ton of, you know, like what I would consider to be uh, recognized as superstar advocates over the years. They've definitely had some, but like, I, I don't know if, their individual advocates are as well known as, as, you know, maybe some of the programs that we play more often, which is probably part of it. But Michigan, I feel like is a team that people are saying when they hit them, Oh, Michigan's really good. You got to watch out for Michigan. And so they are a team at orcs that I'm going to be watching very, very closely. The only ballot they dropped was a close ballot in a close round to Arkansas a, who was not that far behind them on the bid list. Uh, and, and what I was mentioning earlier about some of these big Southern schools, right? You've got Arkansas here, Alabama. I know this wasn't UT Austin A, but you've got a Texas team here. And so these, you know, it's like, I understand that the regionals were not geographic anymore, that they spread them all out, but it's interesting to see all of those teams having success at this regional and quite possibly, you know, headed to the same works. I'm not really sure, but either way, I, I agree with you. The noting about Boston college, that was a little bit surprising. They're ranked 134th and have been to orcs a couple years in a row. Uh, and then I did just pull up the open bid list and Houston Baptist is the number one team on the open bid. So I think whether they're, you know, virtual or in person, Houston, ba- Houston Baptist should start getting ready for orcs. Cause I think <laughs> assuming they want to go that, that, that they're going to go, uh, but yeah, I, I think that's about everything here. I agree with your thoughts on Alabama. 
they're the type of team with Alabama just being such a massive talent laden school. You know, if they really start putting everything together, they could be a serious threat. Uh, anything else you think we missed or should I take us to our last one? Uh, I think we've gotten most of it. I guess the, the, the one other team that made it out that we didn't mention yet, uh, just Tufts, you know, they're, they're solid. You know, we've talked about their A team being good. Their B team is also very, very good. Uh, you know, other than that round with Alabama that we mentioned before, really didn't have any trouble here. So good on them. But other than that, yeah, Ben, go ahead and take us to our last regional. Yeah. And I'll, I'll echo that on Tufts. We actually played their B team at Southern Shutdown, shutdown last weekend, um, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, and they were very good. So not surprised at all to see those result, results. So that takes us to our sixth and final regional of week one. And regional 1F had six bids. They were in order. Cal Poly San Luis Obispo A with eight wins, a 14 CS. Illinois B, seven wins and a 14 and a half CS. Yale B, six wins and a 17 CS. Penn State B, six wins and a 16 CS. Rhodes A, six wins and a 15 CS, and Notre Dame B with six wins and a 14 and a half CS. And this is going to shock you, but our three honorable mentions are also all B teams. We had Georgetown B, five wins and a 22 CS, UC Davis B, five wins and a 20 CS, and Arkansas B, five wins and an 18 and a half CS. Uh, there was a ton of B teams at this regional. You had Cal <laughs> no, Poly yeah. Slow A and Rhodes A, and then this is a sneaky tough regional with like, mm-hmm. I mean, these are, they're not B teams from random programs. They're B teams from some of the better to best teams in the country. Um, so just a, a lot of really interesting things to note here. Uh, Cal Poly just torpedoed their way through the field, you know, with I think by far the highest PD that uh, we've seen this weekend with 123. Didn't have a super high CS at 14, but it's not like it's, you know, 10 or 8 or something like that. It's certainly worth noting, uh, Rhodes A, very, very good team. We saw the success of Rhodes B earlier, uh, at an earlier regional. Uh, Rhodes B was six and O, oh, and then they go into the high low round and they actually dropped two ballots to UC Davis B, which got UC Davis to the, uh, to the honorable mention list and probably earned them, you know, this isn't their 18, but earned them a bid to Orcs because they had a, a 20 CS. And, and you certainly don't expect to see that result. I'm just looking here. Um, yeah, and it was, it wasn't like one and two, it was five and seven. So Rhodes kind of cruises their way through the field, knocks out Georgetown B in round three, and then you never quite know what to expect in round four. Obviously Rhodes still got through, but just an interesting result there. And then, uh, Drew, I think the, just the other thing to note here, uh, going back to what I was saying a moment ago about how tough regionals can be, uh, I mean, none of these B teams are pushovers and they put nope. these B teams in regionals to try to power balance them illinois b penn state b notre dame b uh yale b georgetown b uc davis b arkansas b i don't want anything to do with any of those b teams and to see them all at one regional together that's that's brutal no i i agree i mean this is not i think that this is an easy regional to sleep on and look at it and say oh my gosh there are you know Rhodes a is the only really prominent a team there you know maybe you talk about cal poly but i mean from a perennial nationals contender, it's really just Rhodes. Um, you know, I think that Yale B, to a certain extent, you can argue, is basically an A team from a solid program. But um, I, I think that, that that makes it not seem as strong as it really is. You got to realize, if you're a really strong program, you know, Penn State's, Notre Dame, Illinois, Georgetown, UC Davis, like these are programs that are not just 
top heavy. They've got a great A team and that's it. They are deep. They are really solid and they're not messing around. So I, I agree with you, Ben. It's definitely not an easy regional. And I, look, I want to just shout out UC Davis B. To think about it, I, I, like being three and three, going into round four and being like, all right, you know, we're going to face someone good, but we got to take those if we want to get to five wins. And finding out that you've got Rhodes A. I mean, I I don't know whether they knew that going into that round. I know that that would have been a horrifying thing to hear. And the fact that they buckled down and got those two ballots, uh, you know, says a lot. I mean, that's, that's good on them. Um, I will very quickly note, I think that Yale had this, Yale B had this hilarious split where they ended up with six wins with a point differential of just one point. Maybe asking yourself, like, how did that happen? On the defense side of the case, their first round, they went plus one, minus 14. And then round three, they went plus six, minus 16. Now, I think that for any other program, you'd be like, what the heck is going on? Because this is Yale, I am convinced. I I could be wrong. I don't actually know. But I'm convinced they are running a wacky, bizarre defense theory that some judges were like, yes, love it, with it. And other judges were like, hell no, this is terrible, not a fan. Um, I could be wrong. But the fact that those are both on the defense side of the case and the fact that those are obviously very large discrepancies within rounds tells me that they're doing something that judges have pretty – different opinions on and uh, we can only wait and find out exactly what it is that ELB is doing um, that's got those splits but definitely not a surprise to see them or really any of the other teams that have made it through here uh, honestly just when you look at the honorable mention teams you say to yourself damn they did not have enough bids here for all these solid teams so definitely a tough one yeah so what you're saying is Yale B's Dr. Jelani did it defense was just maybe ill-advised under the ah, circumstances. You're not supposed to talk about that Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear. That's a joke. I have no idea what Yale is doing on their defense. Uh I'll take one last note here. I was as you were talking I was looking up some rankings here. Georgetown B first honorable mention. Last year they're the 50th ranked team in the country. They won mm-hmm. eight ballots at Orcs last year. Um Notre Dame B is the 100th ranked team in the country. They won five ballots at Orcs last year. Illinois and Penn State B, both strongly ranked B teams. A couple of those B teams are actually ranked higher than Cal Poly, uh, their A team. Now, we've talked before about how difficult Cal Poly has it with all of the other teams mm-hmm. in their area. They're a very good team. But yeah, I mean, going back to what I mentioned a moment ago about how you've got, you know, you've got a regional with, you know, going back to 1D with SUNY Binghamton getting out with five wins. Again, with the 22 CS, they earned it. But you've got six win teams on the on the open bid list and five win teams getting out. And you've got this crazy B team regional. Um, I think I'll just make one note, which is I, I, it would be we don't have time, nor are we going to get into all of the sort of permutations of how regionals got uh, set up this year with originally being in person, then moved to online, but not changing the weekend, but shuffling the assignments. But I think you're seeing just a little bit of an effect here that maybe the balance at some of these regionals i like i might have liked to see one or two of these b teams get put out to be clear not to my regional don't want them anywhere near my (laughs) regional but uh maybe to power balance some of the other regionals because this to see a team like georgetown b with five wins and a 22 cs be first on the honorable mention you know is, is is a little bit surprising but either way, I think, Drew, it was a very interesting first week of regionals. Obviously, I'm excited to have our bid in hand and be moving forward to Orcs. We've only got a couple of regionals coming up this weekend. I think it's just two. So we're still figuring out how we're going to do the next couple episodes. Because I think, if I recall correctly, week three has like 75 regionals yeah, or geez. something. Everyone's it's a crazy amount. Um, so we'll figure out how we're going to split all of that up. But either way, 
I mean, we've got our first set of bids to orcs. Mm-hmm. We've got, you know, 36 teams heading to orcs and a lot of teams on the open bid list. And by the time we record our next episode, hopefully we should have some clarity from AMTA on whether we're staying on Zoom or heading back in person for those orcs. Yep. You know, I, and I know we, you, we've kind of started to move on from, I wanted to say one really, really last tiny thing about 1F. And that is that while we are talking about how many B teams they had, this is the only regional that did not have a single team at nationals. Now, you got to put a big fat asterisk next to that because I think we can all agree that Rhodes A is probably as close to a nationals team from last year as there is that isn't a nationals team. Um, but it is interesting that hmm. you, you can kind of see that this was a designed middle heavy uh, regional where they have a hmm. lot of teams kind of clustered in the middle and not any teams that are necessarily the, okay, we made it to nationals last year, giving them kind of that not clear path, but a, a kind of uncontested path um, as a result. So just hmm. things to note and things to be aware of. Uh, definitely agreed with everything you're saying, Ben, a lot of really solid B teams. But I think the trade-off there was there wasn't a returner from nationals in this regional. And that's kind of maybe the way that you can balance them out. Yeah, that's a great point. Anyway, to to wrap this all up, a lot of fun to break all this down with you, Ben. Obviously, we've got a, a very small number of regionals in week two, uh, Super Bowl weekend. I don't know why we still do this and make teams compete on Super Bowl weekend. I remember I had to do it um, like three years in a row um, when I competed. And I was always like, very, very bummed about it because I would love to watch the Super Bowl. And I was like, well, mock trial comes first. Um, but, uh, you know, just a couple. And then, as you said, Ben, I mean, just everyone's going week three. So we'll have a lot to talk about then. And I'm really looking forward to it, man. I agree. And also to those people out there who listen who are not current competitors, sign up to judge. Mm-hmm. Uh, AMTA is doing their absolute best uh, to make sure they don't have to use a ton of coaches. And the best way to do that is to sign up to judge. So go to their social media, go to their website, sign up to judge a couple rounds. Everybody's like, man, this activity would be better if we had more mock trial alums as judges. Mm-hmm. Well, the way to do that is if mock trial alums sign up to judge. So, you know, I, I don't know how many folks that applies to who, who listen to this, but if it applies to you, we strongly encourage it. Uh, congratulations to all of the teams who got bids this weekend. Thanks again to Amaya from Dillard for taking the time to join with us uh, and and chat about their really fantastic bid. And that was such a really cool conversation. Uh, so, Drew, I'm looking forward to getting to the next couple of weeks and breaking all these regionals down with you. Absolutely. Glad we're still able to do it. Uh, we'll be back in everybody's feeds real soon. We're still trying to figure out, like I mentioned, if we're going to do... Uh, you know, like a 20 minute week two episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we, we probably end up we'll, we'll doing that. And then week three will just be a super long one, but we'll get it figured out. We'll be back in your feeds real soon. Thanks as always for listening until we chat with you again. This has been the mock review with Ben and Drew.